Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Next Great Car Era, a podcast by EV Tuners. Today, and calling in from Formula D, we are joined by Nishanth, who is a former Time Attack competitor and grassroots drifter who now instructs for high-performance driving experience programs and tinkers with cars for fun. Currently, he's converting his Time Attack Drift Subaru BRZ into an EV. He's built several car-related hacks, such as using your car as a sim racing controller and open-source flex fuel analyzers. You can check out some of that work on his website, linked in the show notes, and hear more about what Nish is up to right now. Enjoy. One thing that that is kind of maybe the topic of the day is uh, you're at Formula Drift right now. Yeah, so they're actually still setting up. Um, I'll show you actually outside. You can see actually all the pro cars are out here. I don't know if you can see that, but that's all the pro cars in the grid down there. That's awesome. Yeah. So they're getting set up for the event, which officially starts tomorrow. Are you going to do any uh, driving yourself? Sadly, no. I wish, but I'm nowhere close to the talent level that you need to even <laughs> be like a lower tiers of drifting here. You could just te testing only, you know, uh, yeah. I'd be a guinea pig for the track. That's what I've actually been wanting to do. Um, but I ended up renting out an electric car for, uh, for this trip. Um, I don't know if there's an easy way for me to get a, a factory car to, to drift. <laughs> I have a, a pretty good video I'll share with you of, uh, an electric Camaro tearing it up. Oh yeah. I think that Camaro used to be part of FD or I don't know if it still is. So. It might be. Yeah. Yep. Was that at um, uh, Thunder Hill? Uh, it was at Holly. Uh, so at Sonoma. Holly. It was at oh, Sonoma, sorry, Sonoma this year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but they've been. That wasn't the first time that they've been doing stuff. That it's okay. kind of like, I think a somewhat famous famous uh, Camaro. Yeah, I remember when they debuted. I think it was like 2019 or 2020, and I I got so excited to see an electric car and. A professional level of drifting or yeah. any kind of motorsport really yep it's super cool yeah what electric car did you rent while you're there so this time i rented out um the volvo polestar 2 or the polestar 2 i guess not volvo previous yeah but, you like it uh, i uh, yeah this is probably one of the better uh cars i've rented out recently Sweet. Um, the last one i rented out was an id4 and i didn't really like the plasticky dash of that thing uh, this one feels like a proper car a little bit more more sorted yeah i haven't been in one yet but uh but i'd like to it's one of the ones yeah. i don't see a lot around yeah this uh i rented off of Turo and there was like a rental company that had like 10 of them so i was like okay that's a no-brainer and it was pretty relatively cheap for for the price sweet yeah um when, when you like stop down on that throttle pedal it does a zero to 16 4.2 and She's like giggling the entire time. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it feels more like a roller coaster to me. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's like it's a very different, uh, very different feeling. I was talking to someone earlier this week who uh, was their their dad had gotten a Tesla, and it's like I I get like they they get motion sickness when, during the acceleration. Oh yeah, that doesn't happen in other cars. And I think it's just because it's so kind of smooth and 
and, and it's it literally like a roller coaster. There's no yeah. curve to wait. Yeah, and for. if you're if you're if your eyes are not perceiving that motion that or at whatever rate it's happening, then that's where you really start getting queasy. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Oh, that's the good stuff. I think. I think it. I think it feels good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure so which electric cars have you played around with yourself um mostly tesla um, okay i have a model three um i oh, picked yeah. that up earlier this year and that's been a, a lot of fun um i got the model three because i wanted to do some i wanted to get into a little bit of racing and and learn right so now the car is way faster than i am and <laughs> i can <laughs> spend my time on on uh on driver mod and good old and, driver mod yeah yep. <laughs> i actually yesterday i was at a hobby shop picking up parts for this demo and there was like a kitted out like tesla model 3 with like a full carbon hood like a big brake kit like i think like a wide body on it and i was like this thing is ridiculous looking but it's cool to yeah. see that people are doing these types of things too model threes it is really cool i uh, yeah. i just went to the um hoover dam on like a electric car run from socal okay. over to there with a, a big group from socal uh, mostly teslas uh is the tesla club socal but there's a bunch of some lucid some f-150 lightnings um oh, cool. pulsar there's a few others in there and uh yeah a lot of the a lot of those folks they like really kit them out you know with uh carbon parts body kits under glow um, <laughs> everything All you can imagine stuff. yeah 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 the full fast and furious spec <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting i i need to do more research i want to find which of the body kits um like from a wind tunnel uh perspective actually oh, yeah. fun like functional give you more downforce or whatever and which ones are 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 more just for aesthetics but there's not a lot published on that yet yeah and to be honest even with like ice powered cars like you run into that issue a lot where i mean it's so expensive to do like proper either wind tunnel or CFD testing for that kind of thing. Um, I mean, even with CFD, you need like to have, you need to have correlation to wind tunnel data. So I don't know, you either have to do wind tunnel or test on a, on a car with like, like literally like pieces of string to see the downforce. Hmm. Um, and if you don't have that correlation, it's really hard. So it's just kind of, a, I think you can basically choose it for aesthetics unless you can find a company that's well, willing to publish that kind of data on their yeah. system. My my guess is that if they're really really expensive, then it probably has the <laughs> the testing data to support like a, a functional. And and if it's yeah. not, then it. I mean that's totally just anecdotal, right? But that's kind of my guess yeah. uh, because the price probably reflects that R and D that they had to go through. Yeah, I, as long as if you request it from them, they should be able to pro provide you that data. I think that's the caveat with that kind of thing because there are a lot of ones that will still do like i don't know big like carbon layups that are really expensive but then not actually test it yeah. against uh yeah so yeah I, I think that's the only thing it's just like if you request it they should be able to provide you that data yeah that makes sense Even if it, yeah but. so um I, there's so much that i uh that i wanted to to talk to you about um you know we talked about a uh, driver mod a little bit as, as a moment ago. And my, my, uh, uh, kind of biggest experience in racecraft was, uh, was a track day. 
um, that I did with, uh, with extreme experience. And it was just a little bit of like, you know, 30 minutes of instruction before going out there and, and whatnot. But, um, you had mentioned to me and you were real humble about it, but you said like, Oh yeah, I used to, I used to actually teach there. That's pretty cool, man. I don't think a lot of people <laughs> had like have instructed people on how to drive supercars. Yeah. I, I think even like maybe instructing is maybe put, uh, it might be like overstating what we're doing though. Like, cause we're basically just guiding you through like three laps on the track. Whereas like instructing is probably more of like, and sometimes we get to do that if you're like driving multiple cars, cause we can then coach you from that first session to the next and say, Hey, if you tried this a little bit differently, then you could go even faster. But in that, yeah. in that session, it's more of like guidance than it is necessarily instructing, but yeah, it's fun. I, I still do it from time to time. It's, it's definitely a fun way to get away from the computer for a bit. They call you up and they're like, they're like, Nish, we need someone in this town, <laughs> in this time. Can you, can you come and help us? <laughs> I mean, it's never that personal, but uh, they'll send out blast emails to instructors if they have shortages and say, hey, um, so instructors that they've worked with in the past, uh -huh. like, hey, we have like a shortage at this event. Um, if you guys are available, sign up and they'll usually take us out to those events and get us situated so we can instruct with them. How did you start that? Did you have to, did you have to like get a certain time at the track? Be like, all right, here's the car. <laughs> now, if you're fast enough, you can no, teach. What I've noticed in general motorsports is it happens through references. And I instructed with a couple other groups uh, prior to that of like normal HPD events. Mm -hmm. So Grid Life uh, was really cool to kind of give me a start there. And then um, CGI Motorsports, which is a local group in the Midwest. Um, the two of them, they both had people that worked with Extreme and they gave me a referral to work at Extreme. And uh, yeah, so it is. It is very different from normal, traditional HPD because you don't really have that time to teach someone and you're also driving a supercar, not like a Miata, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it you do get just kind of thrown into the deep end at first to like really uh, pick up this new model of instructing. Totally. Yeah. So like where did that fall in the timeline? Had you already started uh, racing your BRZ at that point or did yeah, that happen so after? This is so this is actually after I I hit the pause button on uh, racing. So I I stopped racing officially in like twenty at the end of twenty eighteen, um, around the time I blew up the engine of my car, uh -huh. um, and it wasn't because of that I ended up putting a new engine in there. Um, but I was trying to my hand at my own startup, and I basically wanted all the money to go to that as opposed to paying like expensive fees for I guess going to different events. And I had already started instructing by then, so. I already found enough joy in that that I was like, I don't need to instruct and race every single event I go to. Um, sure. So it's kind of a motivation for maybe maybe that switch at the time. We'll see if that changes once this EV conversion completes. But yeah, at least for now, that's that's kind of the game. Right. Plan. So you did replace the engine in the in the BRZ, so it's running right now. Or <laughs> no, uh, I replaced the engine at the time after it blew up, uh -huh. and then. The car's not driven as much since I did that. I still drive it more as a daily car than it is as a race car. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, eventually I just I, I came to a point where um, I just decided, okay, you know what? I've been thinking about doing this electric swap for a while. Let's pull the engine out again, and that's kind of the I think the genesis of that project. Cool, cool. Um, so tell me more about that project, though. Um, what do you what's what's the kind of the build 
Are you doing a, are you hooking it up, something up to the manual transmission? Are you doing a Tesla swap? What do you got in mind? Yeah, so it's a Tesla swap and it's a direct drive. So it's using a Model 3 drive unit in the rear, and that's going to bolt onto a custom subframe in the back of the car. Just um, in so the rear. Yeah, so it cool. replaces the, the diff, the transmission, and the driveline. Um, the reason why I'm doing a rear wheel drive is that the BRZ doesn't come all wheel drive from the factory. Right. That might be a future thing that I change because someone has done that mod before. But I feel I'm already biting off more than I can chew at the moment. <laughs> uh, anyway, so a Model 3 drive unit in the back and then batteries from a Chrysler Pacifica hybrid in the front. Okay. Um, and they'll weigh roughly amount, the same amount as the engine plus the transmission used to weigh. So I'm looking to get like mostly close to the same weight balance as I had before. Sweet. Um, and, and that's the part I'm really excited about because it's similar weight balance with over double the horsepower that the car had before. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> and about 140 miles of range. Hey, I'm sorry, dude. I'm I'm oh. getting some audio coming through in the background and I'm I think it might be challenging in post. Let me move rooms again real quick. Yeah, sorry, we had people going in and out of that room. Yeah, no, I I, I apologize. Yeah. Making no, you run good. around. <laughs> <laughs> but we're we're talking about interesting things and I want to make sure that uh I want to make sure people hear it. Hopefully this is a little bit better. Yeah. Sounds okay. sounds good so far. Cool. So um what about controlling the Model 3 rear drive unit? I, I think most people go with the Model S one because it's easier to it's easier to 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 tap into. And you can swap out a board and then get a lot of control. Model 3, not, I mean, some people are doing it. I've talked to a few folks that are using the Model 3, but it's it's more of like flashing it uh, like rather than being able to swap out a board and have control, or at least that's what I've heard. Yeah, um, that's the unfortunate part. And I would have wanted to use a Model, in fact, I purchased a Model S motor first. Um, it would have been significantly cheaper to go that route too. But the issue was that, um, I, I went with the small drive unit uh, for the Model S and they don't have a, a way to reverse the oiling direction of that motor because the way I would have had it placed in my car, it would have been going in reverse for moving the car forward. Uh -huh. And on the larger drive unit, you do have the ability that someone has made an aftermarket pump kit that you can reverse the flow of the oil, but they don't have a similar kit for the small drive unit. So I was like, I don't want to oh, custom man. machine my own thing. So I said, okay. Let's scrap that idea with the Model S. The Model 3 fits in the correct direction and it'll go forward. It's more expensive, not just from the motor itself, but then the control. I can't use an open source board. I have to use one of two proprietary solutions. Mm -hmm. And what they do is, so I, I suspect what they're actually doing is, um, so the company I used was Nginext. Mm -hmm. uh, they're a Canadian-based company, I think out of Montreal, uh, uh, out of Quebec. And um, what they do is I think they just unpair it from the Model 3 um ECU or the drive or the drive controller yeah. and they pair it to their own custom controller. So it's still running the stock Tesla model three firmware. Um, but it just has a different pairing, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. That's going to be really cool and, though. Yeah. Um, but then with that controller, I still need to integrate it with the rest of the car's canvas. So I'm creating my own custom, like, I guess like, um, vehicle control unit that's going to do all that communication as well. 
So will you have some of the creature comforts left in there? Heating, AC, power All steering. All of those hopefully should work. And I really <laughs> need those given I'm in Chicago and winters are not fun. Oh, yeah. It snows there, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, more than the, I mean, the snow is not so bad. It's more the bone chilling cold that makes you question every life decision you've made. Oh man. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I remember the first time that I went outside in middle of winter in PA. Now remember I'm oh, from yeah. California. So, and yeah. I'm from NorCal, like it snows there and, and I, I lived, it wasn't far, but like, it's just not the same. And I yeah. remember walking out and it just felt, I had a big jacket on and it felt like I didn't have anything on at all. <laughs> Yeah. wait a minute this wind chill is something else well more than wind chill it's a humidity so here it's a very here in california it's a very dry kind of cold and it's the same in the mountains uh whereas in the midwest and the east coast it's a very uh, humid cold and that's what makes you feel that like real bone chilling cold mm, cuts right through yep <laughs> so um for the batteries uh yeah how big how big are those chrysler pacifica modules or how many are you putting in there i'm putting 12 total so it's a uh, two uh there's two parallel uh banks are well, the actual configuration is that they're in pairs of two there's uh 12 batteries so uh, it's a six series uh 2p configuration okay um, and the reason why is that like we want to be able to pull the kind of current that we need to support the power requirement to the Model 3 at like higher loads. Mm -hmm. uh, and supposedly that setup has worked for, um, I, I based the setup off of Bizimoto. He did a Porsche, I forget what, it was like an older Porsche. And he was able to draw like, I think six to 800 amps out of that thing in Dang. a similar yeah. battery configuration. Are you thinking so, about that one, the like purple purple car yeah, like the pink ridiculously looking oh yeah pink that thing looks yeah. looks pretty badass though yeah. <laughs> i like that car yeah it's a bonkers car i love that he's done that to an old porsche uh -huh. yeah gorgeous <laughs> um anyway that, that's basically the setup that um that i ended up going with uh the difference is that he does a configuration where it's like two uh two series strings of six that have been paralleled together the risk with that is that um, any like voltage differences can have a much more catastrophic uh, end. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a little bit safer to parallel at the module level. So each set of modules is parallel together. Yeah. And uh, how many, how many kilowatt hours are you going to have in that pack? Or what do you think your range is going to be? Um, so that, that'll be a 32 kilowatt hour pack. Okay. Um, and Based off of his numbers, he was saying, and he's about the same weight as my car. Uh, he was saying about 140 miles is what, is what he was realistically getting. Nice. Um, which I think is fine for most track events, even around me in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm aiming to do like CCS fast charging with this, using either the fast charging uh, circuitry from either a BMW i3 or from a Tesla Model 3. So we'll see what that ends up being. Um, and it's using the... Basically, it's like a Tesla Model 3 in the end. Is I'm using a Tesla Model 3 charge port because that's the only thing that fits in the old um, gas filler area. On okay. <laughs> um, and I know people use like an adapter for that to work with a CCS fast charge. Yeah. The the yeah. adapter just came out for us um, who are who are driving them. I don't have one yet, but 
I've seen people with them and they can, oh, yeah. they're just, well, I think they just started Korea using them. have been using them for a while. So people yeah, have been they have. from Korea. Yeah. Right. Right. But the official one, the, the uh, official cost you an arm and a leg uh, yeah. adapter is, is now available. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So yeah. man, like this is complex stuff. Like, are you an engineer or do you just figure this stuff out? It's a little mix of both. So I, I don't do engineering day to day anymore. I'm a product strategist, um, but my background is in engineering. So I came okay. from a mixed background of doing everything from data science and machine learning to um, reverse engineering cars for doing self-driving wow. to drones, maps, a little bit of all the, anything like related to mobility I've probably touched. Um, and then I at some point made the switch because I got tired of looking at code on a computer to, to do more product management, product strategy. So that that's more fun for me anyway. I, I like doing that mix of design business and um, tech as well as like a little entrepreneurship thrown in there. Sure. Um, so that's how I ended up in product strategy instead. But that's awesome anyway, yeah, yeah I'm, I guess I do have the background to, to build some of this stuff, but definitely not this, the skills that you need to do an EV conversion. Like, I'm learning all the electrical stuff as I go, and that's a lot of Google. Sure, yeah. I mean, but if you have a framework for for learning, you know, I, I don't think that you necessarily have to have a degree. It's just uh, understanding where to start and start picking it apart and collaborating with folks, right? Like asking yeah. questions, building a network, seeing what's been done before, finding new ways to get uh, to get things done. Yeah, and that's one cool thing. Um, about the EV community and also specifically the DIY EV community is there's mm-hmm. there's um, web, there's websites like Open Inverter with with people like Damien McGuire who've done tons of amazing work of like open sourcing all their findings of like things like the how the Tesla uh, like for example I'm using the Tesla Model Three uh, power conversion system for charging and for doing DC DC conversion um, and he's literally like open source everything that he's done to make that work with other systems so it's really cool to see. Um, the I guess maybe the, the camaraderie yeah. um, in the open source community. Um, part of what I want to do is also start contributing to that because I do feel bad that there's literally like maybe a handful of people that are doing most of the work in that community. How do you how do you want to contribute back? Um, say this say the BRZ project, you know you're you're burning rubber, it's working, everything's good. Then what? Yeah. Um. Uh, in terms of contributions, one is like being able to open source, like when I'm creating my custom vehicle control unit, um, basically have like a module set up where you could throw this into any car as opposed to just my BRZ. Um, so there is a project that it's based off of called Zombie Verter, which again is another open inverter project. Yeah. I'm just taking that and modifying it to fit in the BRZ ECU form factor. And then I think some extras for it. Um, but yeah, I maybe just like helping out where I can and making the software a little bit better, uh, easier to manage. So I want to create my own um, interface similar to what you have in a model three uh, on the dash. Yeah. So basically slap a monitor and create, because I do have a web background, I can design um, something that looks a little better than a bunch of really, I don't know, nineties looking (laughs) info boxes. (laughs) A nineties is in though, man. Yeah, that's true. Eighties is better. (laughs) <laughs> oh gosh. Hopefully we're not doing that for user interfaces, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. Um, yeah. But that's unfortunate. I mean, it's not unfortunate. It's the, the focus right now of a lot of the open source projects has been getting the functionality down, not necessarily the form. Right. Um, 
where I can maybe contribute is helping with the form and making it look like a modern product. Which really is necessary for adoption, I think. Exactly. Yeah. That and then like that out of the box experience for people to get onto these open source platforms. Like it's a lot of like, currently it's a lot of like very manual uh, setup. Um, You're doing a lot of config um, using these like really arcane interfaces and I think that's a that's a this is a huge barrier to entry for anyone who wants to pick up a DIY EV project right now, unless you get a custom shop to do that, and that's a huge expense in it itself. Yeah. So, um, do you have any advice for folks who might be interested in doing this, um, or just even getting involved? You know, if someone is interested in getting involved in building EVs or driving EVs or learning how to how to race. You know, what, what are, what are some words of wisdom from someone who is, who's kind of doing all these things? Um, so I guess I'll, I'll break that down into the two parts of that question. The one on the motorsports side and the other on the EV side for motorsports, go out and drive the car that you have right now. And that's, that's the best thing. Like I've seen people would take Toyota Priuses to Laguna Seca and drive those things. And I've literally seen a minivan at road Atlanta before a Honda Odyssey. So it doesn't matter what car you have, you can track it. Um, it's a matter of like just like getting past your own excuses really to to do that um because a lot of time like we will get into our own heads and i'll see people like a lot of my students will come with like fully kitted out cars like oh i wanted a like super sticky tires and a turbocharger and all this stuff and honestly the best thing you could do is have a bone stock car that you um you really understand and you can build um your own understanding of your skill level because that will accelerate your ability to be a fast driver way quicker than go fast mods on your car um all you need are is good brake fluid and tires that are not dead and then you're good to go um on the ev side i think that's a harder question because it, because of the nature of it being so kind of all all over the place and scattered yeah um i think if possible and you're starting from scratch find a platform where people have already done a lot of work on um and if that means like there's a kit car available and you have the funds to do that, that's probably your best bet if you're starting. If there isn't, um, get onto a forum and start asking questions. People respond very quickly. I got shot down on my original battery idea very quickly by the internet, um, <laughs> which I, I had asked those questions earlier. So I think just, yeah, I guess not being afraid to, again, put yourself out there and, um, fact check and make sure that you're, you are understanding the entire thing end to end. Uh, there's a lot of really great YouTube video resources for, uh, for creating your own EV and going to places like open inverter, DIY electric car.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, great sources if you're trying to do an EV project. When you say kit cars, do you mean, do you mean like actual kit cars? Uh, you know, I can think of a handful of, of, uh, you know, like factory five put out, uh, put out the 818 and people have ev swapped that or do you mean more like uh kits uh drop-in kits to convert you know like a beetle or an old porsche into more the latter yeah more the latter but i mean if there is like a pre-built kit even for a factory five that's also an option i I know it's more expensive that way um and definitely i probably wouldn't have done it that way just because i'm kind of keep costs low (laughs) even if it doesn't sound like it um (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the other thing you have to make as a decision for yourself is you can either choose to make it cheaper for yourself, but you you just need to go in knowing that you're going to spend a lot more time putting it together, which is what mm-hmm. the route I've chosen, 
or the other option is you you get someone to build it for you or get a lot of the pieces pre-made for you so that um, you can spend less time, but you might spend more money up front and maybe it's less headaches. Like I know if I wanted to, or or had I done it, I could have used a, out of, a charger, BMS, and a, a DC to DC converter that already have pre-configured uh, communication from all three of them. But since I'm doing this weird thing of using a Tesla Model 3, uh, charger and DC DC converter with some other custom stuff. That's where I need to write a lot of custom code to do that. Uh, whereas someone who's using those out of the box components that are known to work together, you might not need to do a lot of those steps yourself. Yeah. So. And kind of connecting those two, maybe as you were talking, I was thinking, well, if you, if you drive what you got um, and it doesn't have to be fancy uh, and then there's actually more OEM cars that are either available, you know, like something as I know we all, we all kind of, jokingly uh, love them but the a used nissan leaf is pretty cheap these days yeah um and then there's there's starting to get enough teslas and chevy bolts are quite cheap and um uh and there's more on the horizon so you know maybe some of these uh, entry-level evs as the price drops more get on the market maybe there's more uh more support and uh folks that are just going to track those as they are and that's their first entrance. Yeah, that's a great way to even just get used to the different driving dynamics of an EV versus, um, yeah, building your own from scratch. Yeah. There's a lot to learn there, for sure. Cool, man. Well, I think that there's a ton more I'd love to talk to you about, but we might just have to pick it up again in the future. Um, I really appreciate you carving out the time in the middle of of uh, of this drift event to to, to <laughs> talk to me. Um, it's really exciting and I can't wait to hear what's next on your build. Thanks. And yeah, I appreciate you like also just, uh, yeah, dealing with my whole schedule of craziness. Um, yeah, I appreciate you also like, uh, wanting to talk about this stuff. It's, it's always cool to, to get out of your own little, uh, echo chamber of your brain, uh, and maybe, <laughs> uh, I don't know, broadcast some of your ideas out loud and, um, around EVs. That's fun. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you. Of course. Uh, I'll catch you later. But thanks, Dan. Yeah, you too. Bye.